Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, everyone. Thank you for joining in once again for the first time in 2020. Just a very short time ago, Jamie, that we were sitting here, it was 2019, we were talking about our goals for 2020 and setting some of those up and setting the scene for that. And here we are, fast forward, seems like a while ago, but it's only a couple of weeks, really. Yeah. Back in, back down here at PK in the wonderful boardroom. Thank you to uh, the guys for letting us use that. Catching up again. And it's been a big couple of weeks for you. Yeah. You've been away? Yeah. Has it, has it, uh, has it been for you, mate? Yeah, good. Happy, um, happy New Year to you, by the way. Yeah, so. you too, you too. And uh, yeah, it did only feel like a couple of weeks ago we did that podcast on goal setting. So um, yeah, look, I uh, headed to Orlando for just over or just under two weeks um, for uh, and worked with some clients. Uh, a couple of clients had the PGA Tour Latino America Q School and uh, also caught up with uh, Ryan Ruffles for a couple of days in preparation for that uh first Corn Ferry event in uh, the Bahamas last week. So yeah, it was great. Great finish to the year for the young fellow, wasn't it, young Ryan? Yeah, yeah, getting his tour card at, tour, at Q School was, uh, was really, was fantastic. It, for us, I think it was uh, a, a year in, uh, in planning. Uh, Latin America tour, he played a, a really consistent season there. Form was, was really uh, quite solid. Um, without having his A game very often through the year, but just was very consistent and, uh, yeah, Q School was fantastic. So uh, it, was a, it was a great end of the year for him. Now, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast is the podcast for everyday golfers like you and I. Yeah. But it would be remiss of us not to talk about some of the experience that you've had with the guys there, and we might get to that. But today, what are we going to talk about, Jamie? It's just a review the 2020 Goal Setting Podcast yep. and just... Continue, continuing on from there, excuse me, we've agreed that you can't wrap up goal setting in just a one podcast and let it go. You know, yeah. it's something that you need to work on, yeah. something you need to come back to. And I guess if everyone's listening is still in that phase of, you know, early part of the year, setting their goals up and, and putting some structure around that, just good for us to keep checking in with that and helping everyone stay on that journey. So yeah, I guess... Just re- remind us, where do we get to with the last podcast in goal setting and, yeah. and where are we going to today? Yeah, look, we, uh, that last goal setting podcast, we just spoke about some, some frameworks, some structures within setting goals that are, I suppose for me, a little bit more productive and powerful uh, for, for the, the vast majority of us. In the past, you know, some of us may have worked on a goal setting structure of setting really high lofty goals and not actually breaking those down into individual steps uh, so that along the way we can actually experience a little bit of that positive reinforcement that is just is so important. So we spoke a little bit about that and the feedback that we had uh, from that podcast was fantastic. Uh, Warren Hanna especially put mm. through just a, a sensational list of goal setting and uh, the way he broke it down and, and, and targeted the specific processes each quarter that he wanted to work on was sensational. So... If anyone's you know hasn't seen that, go back onto my Instagram post uh, and you know I, I put uh, some of Warren's goals in there and discuss that because it was just sensational. So for me, for me reading that, it was it was sensational because yeah, this is new for me yeah. and you've been working with people for a long time. 
helping them in this area and also other areas, but just to see the outcome of something that we've shared yeah. and see how that affected Warren and yeah. how he was able to put something into place. Yeah. And, you know, he was happy to share that. And yeah. all props to Warren for doing that because yeah. I, I think put part of making your goals come to life is having that ability to talk about them and yeah. to share them yeah. and to write them down and be open and honest about it. Yeah. You know, and I go back to once again my corporate world. Yeah. That was very much part of, you know, having a goal setting process. You know, you always had usually a manager or a yeah. boss and someone you'd set them conjunctively with and yeah, but side by side you'd have someone else that was at your level that you'd be have to be prepared to discuss them with. Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, it was a very strong part of having, you know, people committed to doing it. Yeah. I agree, and, and you know, I had a, a, a number of people, you know, message me with a few different ideas of, yeah. of what they had uh, put in place, and you know, it's so right in regards to we might call them accountability partners, or we want to put the goals out there, and we don't, we want to try and eliminate any pattern of embarrassment if we don't achieve those goals. Mm. We want to put it out there and go, we're courageous enough to actually say out aloud, these are my goals. And these are what I'm working towards achieving. If I fail, it's okay. You know, it's, it's creating that healthy relationship with perceived failure of goals that is going to motivate us and keep us on track and keep that momentum going. And I think today's, you know, podcast, I just want to discuss a little bit about the patience needed in the first couple of months of a new year after yeah. setting goals because the goals that we have are generally... If, if I say five, six, seven, ten steps ahead of where we are right now, then we can fall into a pattern of, you know, comparing how we perform today with the vision or the goals of what we have for ourselves in 12 months. And generally there is going to be a disconnect there in the short term because we just haven't had time to build the patterns necessary to achieve those goals. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's an interesting conversation to have and, and one that I had while I was away. You know, I had three clients that I worked with and two at Q School and one had uh, a rough week, didn't, uh, didn't bring his best stuff and uh, didn't get his tour card, but saying that he, you know, he, his preparation was interrupted by, he had strep throat, so a throat infection just after Christmas and really impacted his ability to practice and, and, and get the reps in. So, you know, we, we look at that and we're like, okay, so how do we respond to that? Um, and then I had another client that was his first tour school and he finished tied 13th and top 12 get their full tour card. So he missed out on his full tour card by one shot. So, but he's going to get a few events and, you know, we would look at that as a relatively successful week. So it's about um, you've got these two, two different outcomes in the first couple of weeks of the year now, what do those outcomes, how do they set the year up for each individual, you know, athlete? And mm. for people out there, you know, you've, you've, it's two, just over two weeks into the new year, you've probably been able to play some golf. You know, whether you've played some really nice golf in the first few rounds of the year or you've played really poorly, that shouldn't change how it sets you up for the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay, because it's only a couple of rounds. But we, as we've spoken about before, we have a tendency to, to treat every round of golf like it's the round of golf as opposed to looking at a round of golf as a year-long mm. you know journey and a year-long process and just because I played poorly today it's it's only one you know minor step in that equation for for us achieving our yearly goals. So did you have a defined process at the end of your week with the guys JD and Matt 
yeah. where you had to sit down and take them through a discussion like that yeah. and, and make them, you know, whether it was reaffirming their accountability to their goals yeah. or helping them, you know, understand what's just happened and how to move on. Yep. Was that something that you definitely did? Yeah, absolutely. So how do they respond to that? Um, so Matty and they're, I, they're young guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Matt Matt, uh, Matt might be tuning into this and he's 30 now, so he would probably still like to be called young, but yeah. I tell him he's a bit of an older <laughs> fart. So, um, you know, Matt and I have been working together for a couple of years and, and, and we – we have a really good process uh, at the end of a tournament. We, uh, we generally sit down that, the night at the end of the tournament. We'll, uh, we'll head to a bar. We'll might grab a scotch and a cigar and just chill out, you know, for a good hour and a half, two hours, and just, just debrief the entire week. And out of that debrief comes what we sort of call as some, a couple of nuggets of gold of, okay, well, this is what we need to target moving forward. And what we found over the last couple of years is you know, last year especially, Matt played a lot of competitive golf the last part of the year and didn't get rewarded very much at all for the effort that he was putting in. But each event we were getting these little nuggets of you're getting closer, you're getting closer. European Tour School missed by a couple of shots, but, you know, there were some really good things that were, were going on. And um, so that was that's our process of debriefing the week. And, and JD, he played at a different venue and drove back to Orlando the Friday night, which was the last night of the tournament, and we caught up the Saturday morning for breakfast and just, again, just went through debrief the whole week and, and looked at what were the nuggets and uh, what can we take from the week that we can target and move forward uh, in building in preparation for his his next tournament. And so, you know, that, that sort of little review and debrief is, for me, is so crucial because it's it helps to create a little bit of positive reinforcement, even if you didn't have a good week, but mm. to take some good things out of it and reinforce that you, you're getting closer and you're on track. And and then if we need to adjust the path that we're on, then we adjust the path that we're on. We don't rebuild the entire thing. Mm. We just we just slightly readjust. And that's what, even for us club golfers, we might just need to slightly readjust the path that we're on with our practice, what time we're spending on our practice, what we're doing. Might be, you know, you have a lesson with your coach and the coach says, you just got to put your ball position half a ball back and that changes everything. And you're like, is that all? Yeah. You know, it's not it, – so it's just with that constant review, that, that just little bit of fine-tuning. So what is that time frame? So we've set our goals yep. for the year. Yep. We've started playing some golf. Yep. You know, so in my case, you know, there's been uh, three competitive rounds, 34 points, mm-hmm. 39 points, yep. 31 points. If I, you know, look at the 31 points – in my former sort of vision and, and the way that I would review performance, yep. I'm going straight to the things that I didn't like about the round mm-hmm. and not the things that I did like about the round. So, yep. you know, even this little time that we've spent together, I've got a new mindset and outlook on how to review mm-hmm. my golfing performance yep. in terms of what I'm setting myself up for success for. Yep. Now, and my goal at the end of the year is to be on scratch. Yep. I've put that out there. I've written that on my little goal board. Yeah. So my 31 points after having 39 points the, the three days before isn't going to set me back because I've yep. got a new sort of mindset and framework for reviewing that. Yeah. So for the guys listening, you know, they've hopefully set some goals. Yep. If anyone needs any any support or any guidance or any um, advice or confirmation around, you know, their goals, I'm sure that we'd be happy to look. Yep. Um, yep. Phil from Bogies to Birdies, you know, he said yep. that on my other podcast yep. and I sent him something and yep. he was really positive um, about that yeah it helped him so it's great so I'm, I'm assuming that we can do the same for sure 
So we've got to the point where we've set some goals. What's the next three months? Yeah. You know, is, that, is that a reasonable time frame or is there a time frame that we should be putting this review structure into place? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me, depending upon the volume of golf you get in, if you're playing twice a week, then eight rounds of golf is probably a, a decent volume where you can sit back and you can review and you monitor and measure where your game's at and what, you know, what specific areas you're... Um, you know, your golf has been, uh, how it's been performing. So for me, eight rounds would be a minimum. Generally three months is good. But again, if you're playing twice a week, I'm happy for you to review after eight rounds. Um, you know, an interesting one from, you know, what you just spoke about, your experience in your first three rounds of golf, I want to ask you if your 39-point round in any way impacted you having 31 points. Now, I'll explain what I mean by that a little bit, whether your expectation of yourself now jumped up a level or two and you were now expecting more of yourself, which would unconsciously or subconsciously put pressure on yourself to execute to a higher level in certain scenarios in the round of golf. So I can answer that, and I'll answer it in a way that 12 months ago, yeah. I would have said, that yes, that 39 points would have set me up for an expectation that the next round and every shot within that next round is going to lead to 42 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am only going to get better from here. Yep. That is my new benchmark. Yep. And pats on the back, you know, soft mass, self, self massages on the shoulders, all that sort of stuff, you know. Yep. And that was what, how I used to you know, go away and yep. get deflated yep. when inevitably yep. I, just set, I was setting myself up for not succeeding. Yep. So this time... I'm, I have a new mindset. Yep. I have a new outlook, and you know, and thanks to you for the time that we spend together for that. Because, you know, whether it sounds cliched or, or whatever, you know, I'm just looking at it whole by shot by shot, yep. hole by hole. Yep. Yep. And and the way that I can confirm that is I wasn't playing great, and yep. I knew that. And for whatever reason, you know, the smoke that we had unfortunately did start to affect me by the end of the round. Yep. Um, but when I got to the round and I added up my score. I had 31 points. Yeah. I was actually really surprised. Yeah. Because I, I, before I even added anything up, and I'm not a scorekeeper, I've, I, yeah. I mark it down and I don't keep score. Yeah. But I was surprised that I got 31 points. Now, playing off a daily handicap of four, yeah. I thought, well, you know what? It's, it's not that bad relative to yeah. how I played and yeah. some of the challenges that I had and yeah. a couple of bad holes and whatever. Yeah. So I was actually, I've still come away with a high degree of positivity. Yeah. And my reflection on the round there was plenty of good stuff. Yeah, right. You know, 31 points was just two – there was two wipes in there. Yeah. I lost, yeah. I lost ball and, uh, and a wipe from – I can't remember exactly why, but yeah. um, everything else is pretty good. Yeah. And that's – for me, that's really good because – and that's the reason why I asked the question, not so much for you, because I, I, I know that, that your 39 didn't really negatively impact your 31, but more so for me is the listeners out there, when they do have a good round of golf going – uh, and they have a great score, that will have a negative effect on their next yeah. round because of that expectation. Yeah. And we discussed it before we started that the great thing for you about that 31, and this is what I love about, I suppose, the goal when I work with clients at a club level, I say, they say, what, what, what should my goal be before every round of golf? I'm like, you should have a goal of scoring in the 30s with whatever game shows up. If your A game, your D game or your Z game shows up, you should still be able to shoot in the 30s if mentally and emotionally 
you're in a good place and you're controlling what's happening to you out there, yeah. you should be able to get a high percentage of your rounds in the 30s. Now, that 31-point round we spoke about 12 months ago, you said it would have been 24, 25, like 26. You would have thrown... Oh, I can quantify that yeah. you know, with yeah. the numbers on the golf link. Absolutely, yeah. no yeah. problems. Yeah, and for me, that's, that's the most important part because what game shows up on you know day to day we, we don't really know um, especially at the club level where our preparation's not as good our training's not as good we wake up with a sore back and you know it's it, it we're going to get a lot of variety and a lot of variance in how we feel from day to day but if, if mentally and emotionally we can actually prepare ourselves mm. for that round of golf and you know whatever shows up my goal is to try and get a 30 point plus round with whatever shows up today and and that's you know some of the questions that that we've had come in about today's podcast is actually more about how do I deal with poor rounds of golf or poor tournaments or things like that as opposed to we're all great when things are going well. Hmm. Uh, it's more about what do we need to do when things are starting to go south. So it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, great, uh, a great discussion point. I guess in, if I look at how I review it with myself, that, that is a skill in itself. Yep. You know, like we don't yeah. always have... Jamie Glazier sitting at the other side having a whiskey and a yep. cigar. Yeah, yeah. So the skill in, it in yourself, how you review yourself, it, it, yep. any thoughts around how that process can work? Yeah, definitely. I generally would like, even if we do, even if you do mini reviews after a round of golf, so let's say we speak about that eight, that eight round volume before you do a, a proper review, mm-hmm. each day after a round, if you were just to sit there and think about, okay, what was good today? And what was average? What was the one thing I did well? What was the one thing that really let me down? And just make a very small note, write it, put it away. Next round of golf. What was good today? What was average? Boom, boom, boom. Then you get an, a, a volume of eight rounds and sometimes you'll get the same things reoccurring. Hmm. So then you look at, well, my good is really good and that's the same. My bad is average and it's actually the same. Then what happens is it really helps you to narrow down and that fine-tuning, that path that we spoke about, where do I spend my time in practice? Mm. If, my, if my short game from 60 yards and in is costing me on average three shots a round every round, then I need to go and spend 80% of my time on that. Yeah. Um, because my driving or my, my tee to greens pretty solid, pretty consistent – if I don't hit a ball for a month, I come back out and I still hit a, a decent number of fairways. So that's not going to vary too much, but it's that, that area. So for me, those little, little mini debriefs straight after a round of golf when it's fresh, whether you keep statistics. So statistics are great because emotions lie. Statistics don't. So, uh, you know, there's a variety of different statistics apps out there that you can, you can use, plug in. Uh, it's, it's, you know, sometimes statistics lie, though. They don't give a really true indication of where your game's at, mm. fairways, greens, all that sort of stuff that, that sometimes can sort of blur the, the reality. But, you know, it just helps you to keep uh, a clearer understanding of where your game's at. Um, and then that monthly review, that more of a, 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 a decent you know, decent review is you can get all your golf link numbers uh, or all, all your, your golf link up and have a look at all your scores and... You know, you can go through them with a with a fine tooth comb at yeah. that point, and uh, and really start to, you know, generally, you know, the accountability partners that we spoke about, yeah. whether it's a coach or whether it's a friend that's on the same journey, yeah. once a month you might, you know, if you're all if you're both playing eight rounds of golf, 
go and have a lunch. Yeah. Let's just make it make it something where it's a feel good sort of session, and you actually talk back, you know, with one another about what's happened, and um, the more that process is enjoyable, uh, the more we're going to get out of it. So, if someone wanted to share with with you, mm-hmm. is is a Facebook group the best? Is the Data Dream Facebook or is it through Instagram? What, what, what's the best way? Because I, I think there's some power in this sharing mm. and talking about it and yeah. accountability and yeah. everyone should have their own accountability, buddy. But I think there's some power in, in, in what people mm. should be able to share with each other, even that they don't know. Yeah. Is Facebook the best way to do that? I think That's a question without notice too, by the way. Well, because as soon as I said that, my last statement about, you know, having a lunch with a friend or, or you know, if you can share it with someone and make it more meaningful, I'm like... We should maybe start something yeah. that actually well, does that. We're, we're thinking the same. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think possibly a, a, a you know I was just thinking maybe a, a weekly Facebook Live or Instagram Live or something where we can you know or, or, or monthly uh, where we can talk with the listeners and they can ask yeah. questions. Uh, so yeah, I think you know I, I suppose the answer is keep an eye out for something that yeah. we might put together. Um, yeah, it could be great. Okay. Now the other thing that we talked about in previous podcasts and it came up in the goal setting, I think another reflection of you know, my own performance was golf identity. Yep. yep. And I was listening to something during the week on a, on a business podcast and we talked about it earlier. But I, I think for me, understanding my golf identity yep. and, and having a bit more of a connection to that has been very powerful. Right. And the business podcast that I listened to was basically the guy saying, you know, how he is at home Yep. when he walks through the door, yep. is a different. he has a different identity when yep. he's at business and performing business functions yep. and working with clients and delivering presentations and, and writing. Yep. And one of the things that he said, he, he has a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Now, he has perfect 20-20 vision, yep. doesn't need glasses. Yep. He went into a spec savers or whatever shop it was and got some glasses and the lady said, you've got 20-20 vision because they had to test your eyes because that was yeah. the process. Yep. He said, don't worry, just put... The clear stuff in. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, but when he puts his glasses on, yeah, you know that's his mode of, yeah, you know, going to this serious business mode. Yeah, because he was finding that when he came home, and this is where I'm getting to, he came home that he was still in business mode. Yeah, and he treated those around him. Yeah, in business mode. Yeah. Now, if I go back to my lovely wife, Mrs. My Love of Golf, as I refer to her, <laughs> there was a time in my life where. I would come home in golf mode yeah. after a 26-pointer yeah. and carry that into home mode. Yeah. I had to stop. Yeah, for and, sure. And I've been working on that. But the golf identity part was, yeah. you know, does everyone have their glasses? Should they have their glasses? Yeah. Is that part of it? Yeah, they definitely should. Like, they definitely should. I, I talk a lot to, uh, to a lot of my clients about, the driving in the driveway of, a, of, of the golf club, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially club-level golfers. And there's a process that they go through where they detach from the stress, the pressure, the anxiety of life outside of golf. Golf should be our haven, our getaway, our feel-good, our time out. But so often we drag the stress, the pressure of life and attach it to our golf. So it is a big one that people, I recommend some somehow they change that identity and uh, we were speaking about there's a meditation app I use called Calm and LeBron James uh, has started a a series on mental performance and 
anyone that watches the NBA and, 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 and is a fan of LeBron's or basketball will know his chalk process, where before a game he sort of gets there and he gets his talcum powder uh, in his hands and he rubs it and then he throws it up in the air. And, you know, that's his little thing to, to sort of get him ready for the game. You know, Steph Curry's got his... On Twitter, before a game, he'll put lock in, boom, tweet. So that's when he goes in. Then he'll have his – he's got to shoot a, a three from, from the walkway into the change rooms, uh, you know, well, well, well outside the, the, the court. So having different triggers or different anchors to access a certain state of mind or, or a certain focus point is, is really crucial. So, um, yeah, I would definitely recommend people to play around with – their glasses, you know, mm. their Clark Kent. What, what what is their golf identity? And then, when they leave the golf course, what what is their identity? Then are they a father? Are they a husband? Like you know, they need to switch modes. Yeah. definitely. So um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a great a great point. Well, it's certainly on my goal list uh, when I put it into the goal segment of my. Uh uh, what, do we call, what do we call these things here, Jamie? Uh, post-it notes. So oh, yeah. I've yep. got one of the – I have exactly as we discussed in the last yep. podcast. I've got yep. the big the big killer pod, uh, post-it note up yep. on the wall. Yep. And in my neat handwriting, I've mapped it all out. Yep. And then I have my little uh, pink, little. yellow, blue post-it notes yep. there. I've yep. mapped them all out. And yep. then spot beside that, yep. I have my statements yep. or, or the notes relevant to those key areas. Yep. Yep. Just fine-tuned it down into three or four in uh, the different areas. So yep. I think the areas are – Business, yep. Health and well-being, yep. Uh, personal, yep. And golf, yep. And they're the f- they're the four broad areas, yep. And there's a there's a handful of yep. key points in there. Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. And and I would recommend. I mean, I know we're talking about goals with golf. I re- would recommend people to do a similar process with other parts of their life because the more pieces to the pie that we have for ourselves, the more balance we have. So when Golf, for example, is not going well, which is inevitable. There's going to be a period this year where most of our golf games going to be shite. We've got these other p- parts of us or pieces of the pie to balance ourselves out, and you know, switching from those different modes of identity is uh, is 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 really good. You know, and I know that for me, in my golf, I'm quite. Uh, are quite sarcastic about my own performance. You know, if I play golf, you know, I, I'll I'll say things before a shot as sarcasm, just as a bit of banter and a bit of fun. But as a mental performance coach, people can go, geez, you shouldn't be saying that. But that's just me as a golfer. That's how I cope with the, the upcoming shot and free myself from the fear of a poor shot and have that acceptance or whatever that process does for me. But myself as a as a mental performance coach, it's, it's, it's a quite an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's, um, for me, professionally, I'm one to leave no stone unturned. I take my job and my role extremely seriously and, and I love developing my skill sets and uh, preparing and, and everything. But my own game, especially last year, there was no preparation. Mm. You know, if I went to the range before a round of golf, that would be rare. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I didn't care about my performance. I was out there for a different reason. Saying that uh, in December, I've changed that. I've yeah. switched that around and I've really enjoyed competing. My last couple of rounds from last year were 39, 34 and maybe 32. So... 
for me, that's really that's really good. And it just I activated. I don't know if I went and hit balls before, but I just activated a different mindset. Mm. I was wanted to compete and I wanted to try and execute and hit a good shot. And and I did notice it. Sometimes I would get a little bit frustrated on the course, but it was competitive frustration, not. Uh, like a negative emotion uh, that's sort of kicking in. It was more just, I'm competitive. When I get competitive, that's what I'm like. Yeah. So uh, I don't need to change that. I just need to manage it. Um, so remind everyone, if we didn't mention in the previous podcast, you know, have you got a golf goal in mind for this year? What are your, what does that look like for you, mate? So for me, my f- I've, I've got, uh, I spent a bit of time on the plane having a bit of a think about it. So my current GA is 9.0, mm-hmm. which possibly could be almost the highest I've ever been off in my life. So when I first started golf, my first handicap was like 8.1 or something like that um, back 20-odd years ago. So my first goal is 5.0, 4.0, then 3.0 by the end of the year. They're my three different goals. Mm. So my first one, 5.0, I really think I can get down to that no matter what sort of year I have, if I don't play much, I travel more, I don't practice much, I don't train much, I still think I can, because I'm going to click competitive mode in, I think I can still get down to five. Mm -hmm. If I spend more time playing, preparing, training, practicing, I think four and ultimately three can be achieved, depending upon the number of, you know, rounds I play. And so I've just set up a little bit of a structure, just knowing that, you know, depending upon my schedule and my commitments elsewhere. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, that's that's sort of my goal. Um, have a few key areas that I need to – I, I want to really strengthen my short games one. And uh, I spent half an hour around the chipping area the other night. I've uh, been struggling with a bit of jet lag, so I haven't had a chance to play yet this year. But um, And that was, that was super. Just really felt like I got some good momentum with my short game uh, that, uh, that I didn't have last year. So – my first round back today is, uh, un- well, I was going to say unfortunately, but I won't say unfortunately. It's mm. stroke round. All right. So uh, yeah, I'm not playing today. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no, look, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm really excited to get out there and play more this year. And um, you know, I, I want to share with everyone my journey. Mm. You know, because yeah, um, I might have a little bit more of an in-depth understanding of my own patterns than they might, but yeah. that might trigger you know, their understanding to a greater level as well. Well, as as I've discussed, you know, me sharing with you, but then also sharing whatever we have through here, um, has, I believe it certainly helped me. Yeah. So just th- something came to mind just a minute ago about a little setback that I had. So I had uh, that 34-point round, which is the first round for the year. Yeah. And it was on the north course here, which is pretty tough and usually has a high DSR. So yep. 34 is can be usually close to playing your handicap. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned I started the year on 3.5. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big handicap checker, Yeah. but I checked after th- the 34 points and there I was back to 4.0. Yeah. And I really did have to, to stop and stop having a little bit of a melt going, yeah. hang on, my performance was better than what I perceive as the, the outcome, the outcome. The result. Yeah. And just forgot about it. It yeah. is what it is, Ross. Yeah. You know, you don't do the, the, do the maths that yeah. add that up. Yeah. Um, can't do anything about it other than just turn up yeah. the next day or yeah. the next day or the next round, yeah. which was then the 39-pointer. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting, really, I mean, some of the questions that we've got come in that yeah. I'll, I'll answer so in, in, a, in a minute, there, it, it, a lot of it goes around or, or is about that topic of 
how do we deal with the ups and downs of golf, you know, a poor round, a round that's going south. We have an expectation of playing well today and we might get off to a good start, then a couple of bad things happen and all of a sudden we're two down on a handicap and then we've hit one in a fairway bunker. Like, how do we deal with that? And, you know, it's, uh, it's really an interesting point that you made that you checked. I don't mind people that check their handicaps. Um, Providing, again, it's about it's not about the actual process of checking your handicap. It's not about thinking about I've got a good round going and let's keep... It's not about the outcome thoughts. It's about what do you now do with them? And, you you know, you initially had a bit of a, like, a holy crap, I've just gone out and I feel like I don't deserve that. Mm. But you reined it in, you took control over it and you let it go and that freed you up to be able to just go and play the next day. If you didn't let go... I would almost bet my house you were not having 39 points mm. because the pressure of, oh, my God, I thought I played pretty well for 34 and I went out. Mm. Jeez, I better not stuff up today because I might go out even further. Like those thoughts that a lot of us have, it's about understanding the impact that some of these processes of checking your handicap or checking your scorecard after nine holes, counting them up, what impact that does that then have on our thinking or our cognitive process? So as long as you're aware of it and you can rein it in, um, then all of a sudden you're, you're completely in control of, of what's going on outside of you, so to speak, So which is, which is great. That particular, and I'll just throw this in, just that 39 round, I was fortunate enough and privileged enough to play with uh, Rhys Hodge. Now, for those of you in New South Wales, Queensland and the states where rugby rugby union is yep. big you will identify that reese hodge is a wallaby plays for the melbourne rebels yeah um great guy loves his golf member at spring valley yeah reese came down here and joined me for a game down at pk in the north yeah and you know i don't tend to want to go into and pry with the guys like reese or yep. sammy or whoever yeah about their world because yep. that's their work and they, they want to get away from yeah, they want to yeah. get away from yeah but i couldn't help with reese because you know i'm a fan of, of his and a fan of the wallabies uh, they challenge me sometimes to be a fan of them, but <laughs> but you remember Reese had he goes red carded at the World Cup yep. in Japan yep. and missed three games yep. for a very innocuous tackle that would, that was deemed reckless. Yep. And we just spent a bit of time, you know, talking about mate, how did you how did you deal with that? Yep. You know, that was a massive thing. Yep. I, I thought he was very unjustly uh, handled, and just his response in a nutshell was like. It was what it was. I couldn't yeah. do anything about it. I yeah. couldn't change it. Yeah. I just had to be around the team, yeah. support the team, yeah. and get on with it in my own mind yeah. and just accept it. Yeah. And yeah. then when I got the opportunity to come back, ready I, to go. I just had to be ready to go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I mean, and look, this year with the, uh, you know, with the podcast, one of the things that we've discussed and we want to start doing as soon as possible is getting different guests on from a variety of different industries that are club golfers that they may take a really elite, uh, high-performing mindset like Reese and see if they can what impact the game of golf has on them. Because I've I've worked with you know heart surgeons and these guys are obviously cool, calm, and collected under what would be the most <laughs> high-stress yeah. environment. And they come to golf and and they're absolute you know class acts there. They come to golf and they're a mess. Bunnies, yeah. They're just a mess. So it's. It's interesting to talk about how golf affects each one of us because it, we have a different relationship with it. So, um, so yeah, that, so that'll be uh, that'll be great once we can get a few of these uh, these guests on. But um, so let's keep going with the the goal setting, everyone. Yep. It's important. 
share with us what you can and we'll do our best to help everyone keep uh, in check with those and we might touch uh, base on a regular um, basis on, yep. on, on our own goals and, and keep sharing. Yep. But we had some good questions, Jamie. What were they? Yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, go through a couple of these questions. Um, one question that was uh, a really good one and I don't know enough whether enough people think about this or have a strategy around it and it is what do we do when we achieve a goal either mid-round or mid-tournament? Okay, so Jack Harrison put a, a, a goal in. Let's say, for example, a tournament golfer, a uh, four-round tournament, their goal is to make the cut. Okay, so then they make the cut, then what? Then what do they do? Once Because I've had clients that have made a cut in a tournament and then unconsciously pretty much switched off and in the next two rounds they, they go away. They just fall away from the field and end up down the bottom. Mm. And then eventually they end up dissatisfied because they went backwards over the weekend or backwards in the last couple of days, even though they achieved their goal. They still feel dissatisfied. And that's the thing with goal setting I want to try and eliminate or help people eliminate is if you achieve your goal, make sure you feel extremely satisfied for achieving that goal. So one of the best ways to go through this and what Jack was saying mid-round, for example, if, if we set a target of you know, today we want to beat our handicap. Okay, let's say we're through six holes and we're two up on our handicap. Okay, all of a sudden we're beating our handicap and we'd probably be pretty satisfied with 38 points or two up on our handicap. Now we go into defence mode. We're trying to protect. We don't want to stuff up and give any shots back. Okay, so what we want to do is if we are ahead of schedule or on track, so to speak, during a round of golf... We want to always reset our goals. Okay, I'm three up. Okay, let's try and get one more. Over the next five holes, let's see if we can get one more up. Okay, so focus on moving ahead, moving forward and and continuing the growth of the lead versus let's not stuff up and get protective. Because in golf, if we start to steer and play fearful, you're, you're giving them away. So... So I would always say reset and reset with the smallest possible chunks, okay? So if you make a cut and you're currently 38th in the field uh, after the next round, try and see if you can get inside the top 30 or top 25. And then the next round, just smaller little goals that you can build towards. So mid-round, just one shot. Let's get one more point up, okay? So um, or sometimes you might be okay, let's, let's see if I can stabilise over the next six holes. Stay on my same score or better over the next six holes. Okay, so it's about just eliminating that, that fear sort of process and that holding on. So, so that's, a, uh, that's a great question there. Um, there's a couple here that are, uh, I'm going to answer in the same breath, but, but it's dealing with a round that's going south or also how to feel after a poor round or a poor tournament, okay? So dealing with a round that's going south is one of the important things. I, I got to caddy for, for Matty last week in, in Latin Q School, and he uh, had a round of golf where he was six over through seven holes. Second round, he was one under for the first round, so top 25, top 12 get their cards, but three rounds to go, we're sort of in a, in a pretty good spot. So six over through seven, we're now gone way outside that number, mm. like way outside. In the past, he probably would have gotten pretty pissed and, and lost his mind and probably shot 82 quite comfortably, 10 over par. 
Like, so anyway, we, we looked at stabilising, okay, not trying to turn six over into seven to three over, yeah. you know, after 12. It's just, okay, let's just get a couple of solid pars. Let's just try and, you know, just get some, mm. get some momentum back. And uh, he did that those next couple of holes. Then all of a sudden went on a run of four birdies in five holes and ended up getting it back to one over for the day. Wow. So, which was, for him, that was really huge because that's not, not a pattern that he's shown in the past, mm. the, the resilience yep. mid-round. Yep. So, uh, so that, was, that was really good. So all I'd say is if you've got a round going south, just take a moment and go, okay, let's see if I can uh, just let's get a couple of pars coming in. Let's, you know, a couple of two-pointers. Let's not, you know, even if you get a shot on the next hole, don't try and force a three-pointer. Mm. Just, okay, just stabilise and get a couple of two pointers and get some momentum back and then we'll go from there. So also that helps to keep you in the present because if you've got a round that's going south, we can start to think too far ahead and, oh, my God, I'm going to have 22 points and I'm going to be so embarrassed and yada, yada, yada. So it helps to keep you in that, uh, that present state a little bit more. And how to feel after a poor round or a poor tournament. I think it's – we discussed a little bit earlier about just that little bit of a, of a, a mindset over – your golf is a year long. It's not a round long. I know that you're measured on your performance today in mm-hmm. today's comp, but that's not a real true indication of where your game is. Mm-hmm. It's just where it was. So if you can have a longer-term view of your golf and look at it as a, as a 12-month or a, or a three-month process, uh, that's going to help to diffuse any negative sort of mindset or um, emotional response to the round of golf. So... Two interesting questions. How do you deal with toxic playing partners? Yeah, right. Okay. We've all come across them. Unfortunately. Um, yep, yep. You know, it's, it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll, give, two, I'll give two answers because it's a, it's a pretty complex question with a, obviously a complex strategy. But my first one would be to try and understand first and foremost what about that environment gets under your skin? Why is it toxic? Um, and if you can uh, step aside from that as much as possible. So if it's an individual person that just gets under your skin, they annoy the crap out of you, walk on the other side of the fairway. Try to just detach yourself from that environment as much as possible. Uh, The other strategy which I've seen work quite a number of times is actually step into uh, into the situation. If a person's toxic actually confront them, bring it up, say something to them. So generally that will throw them off and make them aware of what they're doing because most of the time you would hope to think that they're not doing that on purpose or they're not being like that on purpose. It's just part of their personality that Mm. maybe they don't, you know, they're not aware that it's rubbing you up the wrong way and probably nor should they be aware. That's who they are and Mm. they're free to be whoever they want to be. But, yeah, I think once you can confront them and say, oh, look, you know, John, you're, you're just constantly talking when I'm over the ball and it's distracting and I know you probably don't care if, you know, a plane crashes next to you, you, you know, you just go and play, but oh, I'm a bit more sensitive and I'm, you know, sorry for that, but could you just quieten down while I'm playing? Like just confront that situation so that uh, you at least feel like you've got some sort of control over it. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is a, it's again, it's a, it's a tough topic. The next one is... Uh, how active can or should parents be in helping juniors? Yeah, good question. And I hope, and that's an obviously an example, that there are some parents who are 
breeding some junior golfers and potential stars for the future. So it's a good one for them to, to, to listen to. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then the particular parent that asked this question, obviously you would think them asking that question, they're on the good side of parenting, so to speak. They're doing a great job bringing up their young athlete that's mm. striving to be or wants to be an elite athlete. So for them even to ask that question, they're probably in the right headspace mm. and they're probably doing some great work and they are. They're, yeah. they're, they're both sensational. I think for me, I'm not the one to answer that. Mm. The child is the one to answer that. Mm. So generally, and I don't have kids, so but I've dealt with parenting and, and athletes for 25 years. So I would like for parents to give the power to the child. What would they like? What, what annoys you about my impact on my role within your, uh, within your sport? Am I too overbearing? Would you like me to be more involved? Give the kids a voice because that's really, really, really powerful. And generally, they will be telling you anyway because kids are good at telling parents to go and, yep. you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so, yeah, I would say definitely give the power back to the kids, but they probably you probably already know the answer to that yourselves by how they respond or communicate to you uh, in certain situations. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you give the power back to the kid, then that's that's going to also fester and, and, and breed a healthy relationship between parent and, uh, and and elite athletes. I've got a lot of things coming through my mind with parents and junior golf, and you know, another big question is parents dealing with other parents. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But that's a, that's, that's another, a whole, whole other area. I don't ever know want to tap into that yeah, one, exactly. but uh, no, I I agree, I agree. So, yeah. Okay, mate. So, yeah, we're sort of fifty minutes in. Yep. I think we have followed on from the 2020 uh, goal setting podcast yep. very, very admirably. Yeah, we're off and running for for this year. Yeah, very exciting to be part of it again, mate. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying the process that we go through, the discussions that we have, and 100 uh, percent believe that what we're doing together is helping me. Yep. And if it's helping you out there listening, that is fantastic. Matt, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything no, else? No, look, it's, uh, hopefully next podcast uh, I'll have a couple of rounds under my belt so yep. I'll be able to give a bit of feedback on, on you know, how I'm going and what I'm experiencing and everything like that. And uh, I think just to, um, you know, to continue to let people know about that 8 Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game on the website, which yep. is that free video program. Uh, we've been getting some, some great traction there and – as part of the website too, when you join up, uh, sign up to to the website, which is obviously free, there's a you know a little messaging sort of uh, app that I've added in there on the website, so that you know if you have if you're watching the video program and you have a question, you can just go in that messaging app, message me a question while you're watching it, and then I can come in uh, and, and answer those. So um, yeah, it just makes it a little bit more. Uh, specific to you and your own uh, development, but uh, no, it's it's uh, it's been great. It's uh, the feedback and and you know I think for me the community sort of vibe that we're we're starting to create or, or get a sense of you know people are you know sending great uh, messages through and we just want to keep helping people enjoy their golf and uh, and lower their handicaps. So it's, it's Web- website address is uh, www.daretodream.com.au with the number two. Okay, dare, dare to, to number yep. two, dream.com.au. Dream. Yep. yep. So there you go, guys. That is the uh, homework for you. Sign up to the newsletter, Jamie's website. You can get it there. Come and check in with me at My Love of Golf Podcast. Uh, the shameless plug for me, but uh, no, go for check, it. Check, in, check in with me there. And if you've enjoyed what we do here, the, the most important part for us, well, not the most important, but, but one of the very important parts is sharing this content, letting other people have 
access and exposure to what we're doing. Yeah. So if you've enjoyed it, please share it. Please tell someone. Yeah. All the reviews and all that sort of thing, that's very nice yeah. and we appreciate that. But if you can share this podcast and the link, that would be more than valuable for us than, and we couldn't thank you enough if you do that. Yeah. So once again, on behalf of both of us, thanks for tuning in to the Mental Mastery <laughs> Golf Podcast, one, first one for 2020. We'll see you next time and good golfing. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.